This morning we are continuing in our series. For the past few months, Devin and I have been teaching a series called the Why Series, a reminder of the biblical reasons why we do what we do for Christ. Why Sunday? Why fellowship? Why giving? Why preaching? Why study? And this morning I'll continue that series with a message, Why Elders? Now, it's a, it honestly is, I was telling Marilyn, it's a bit uncomfortable for me to be sharing a, a message on why elders. It, it's really like, why, why me? <laughs> why, why am I here? Uh, but my aim this morning is to strengthen your understanding, our understanding of biblical eldership so that we think about it biblically, we have a deeper understanding of what it means and how it works in the local church, and particularly our local church. And it's important for us to make sure that we're clear about terminology when we're talking about pastors and elders and shepherds um, and, and overseers. <clears throat> this is more 30 years ago. Marilyn and I were living in Atlanta, and we had moved into this neighborhood, and right next to our neighborhood was a very, very, very old established neighborhood that had been in Atlanta for a long, long time. And it was a neighborhood that I would run through um, on my daily run. And I'd go by the same houses and I'd see some of the same people out and I would wave to them. And one, one afternoon as I was running by, I saw one older gentleman who I'd probably seen uh, a dozen times before. And I finally decided I'm just going to stop and introduce myself and greet him and, and just learn a little bit about him. And so I did. I stopped and I said, hey, my name is Larry, and I live over here, and just wanted to, to meet you. And so he said his name was John, and he's an older man, beard, in overalls, um, very much Georgia, the Georgia that I was living in at the time. And, uh, and I asked him, I said, well, you know, what do you do? And in a very Georgia accent, he says, I beer people. And I thought, oh, he works for a brewery. What a... What a great job. I said, that must be really fun. And he looks at me and he goes, I bear people. And I realized he said, I bury people. <clears throat> As you can imagine, <clears throat> I just started running and <clears throat> left this man very confused. Understanding is important. And so <laughs> when I refer this morning to pastor and elder, shepherd, overseer, I want you to be clear that I am referring to one and the same thing. These are all interchangeable words in Scripture to describe one office, but each each describes a different dimension of this role. Elder, one who is spiritually mature. Overseer, one who, who governs. Pastor, one who provides shepherding care. And so when, when you hear me reading through this passage and other passages this morning, I, I want us to be clear. They're all one and the same. They're interchangeable. And so if I say pastor or shepherd or elder, you know they're all meaning the same office, the same Function. So if you would turn to Acts chapter 20. And let us begin in verse 28. 
Now, the, the background is Paul had been in Asia Minor. He had spent three years in Ephesus teaching. He had spent three years there serving the church. He was back to traveling. He was on his way to Jerusalem. He had actually decided he did not want to stop in Ephesus, probably because he was so well known there and he needed to get to Jerusalem. He had an offering to bring them. Their Pentecost was being celebrated soon. And so he wanted to be there. But on his way to Jerusalem from Charas, he gets on a ship and he gets to uh, Miletus and he stops and he calls for the Ephesian elders. And he is basically communicating to them, this is the last time we will see each other. This is my farewell address to you. This is my goodbye. This, this is my, my deep love for you. And as you read actually down in verse 36, it says, And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. These, these are brokenhearted men who, who are no, just aware they're never going to see their dear friend Paul again. But before he leaves, Paul addresses them. And look in verse 28. Paul says to these Ephesian elders, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the marvelous work you have done in establishing Grace Church. For the men and women that you have brought to this church, for the community you have given us to reach, to the men you have sent our way to equip us like Max Stiles and others. Lord, we are aware that your hand is upon this church. We are aware that you, you have anointed this church. You have filled this church by your spirit, with your spirit, to do the work of ministry. Lord, thank you for the privilege of being able to meet together freely, to sing, to worship, to give, to fellowship, to listen to your word spoken and preached. And Lord, now as we listen to your word exegeted, explained, help us to apply it to all of our lives. Lord, please help me to care for your flock this morning 
through the preaching of the word. And I pray by your spirit, you would bring illumination to each and every heart, that you would meet each and every person individually, regardless of where they are right now, whether doing well or struggling, whether suffering or in pain or in fear or in despair. Lord, meet your people this morning and encourage them. Lord, thank you for this word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, understanding biblical eldership rightly will lead us, I hope, to have an appropriate perspective and appropriate biblical expectations about the office of an elder. Congregations are very often unclear in their understanding and expectations about how pastoral ministry functions. Many have their own ideas about what a successful church looks like. Things like size is a a successful church, or a lot of programs makes a church successful, or the kind of music you have, or celebrity leaders, which you don't have, uh, make a church successful. And I want you to be aware that most churches are led by ordinary men who are simply trying to be faithful in fulfilling what is humanly an impossible task. Very much humanly an impossible task made only possible by the Holy Spirit. On October 9th of last year, this church celebrated one of my all-time favorite Sundays here because for the first time in our history, we ordained our first elder. What an exciting morning that was. In God's kindness and in God's grace, he brought to us Devin to help shepherd the flock of God here. The morning we ordained him, I read an excerpt from D.A. Carson's book about his dad who had served in pastoral ministry for more than 50 years. I only read a small portion because it was a, a packed morning, but this morning I want to expand on what I read as we study the reason God has appointed elders in his church to care for his church. Carson's dad served in French-speaking Quebec for For many, many years, all of his journals, most of his journals were in French, um, but some and all of them were obviously transcribed. So let me read from D.A. Carson this morning. As As the risk of saying too much prematurely, he says, I end this preface with two observations. The first is dad's glass half empty awareness of his failures and inadequacies rarely aligns with the view of him taken by his contemporaries. I've given this discrepancy a lot of thought and will reflect on it from time to time in this book. The discrepancy may say something important to other ordinary pastors who are feeling discouraged. Second, few assessments of dad's journals are likely to prove more penetrating than that of Michael Thate, my administrative assistant. Michael cheerfully transcribed the English parts of the journals. When he sent me the last digital files, he accompanied them with an email that said in part, I used to aspire to be the next Henry Martin, heroic British Bible translator and missionary to the Muslim people of India and Persia. However, 
After reading your dad's diaries, the Lord has given my heart a far loftier goal, simply to be faithful. I know we as men are but dust, but what dust the man I read about in these diaries was. And after proofing the manuscript, he sent me a note telling me he was reminded of Tolkien's lines about Strider. All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. From ashes a fire shall be woken. A light from the shadows shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken. The crownless again shall be king. All true, Carson writes, and yet Tom, my dad, was a most ordinary pastor. And I want you to know this morning you have two ordinary pastors. Although one much smarter than the other. You have two ordinary guys. You have two guys who the gold does not glitter. Um, Two guys, one who is older but thankfully has roots that have been sunk by the Lord and one whose roots are sinking deeper every day. Listen, God profoundly and deeply loves his church. He loves this church. And as our great and good shepherd, he chooses to care for his church through the giving of ordinary sinful men who themselves are sheep. We are sheep as well, and we are sheep yet called to care for his flock, which we read here, he has obtained with his own blood. He has given Grace Church us to care for you because he obtained you with his own blood. And so... As I stand here this morning, as Devin stands when he preaches before you, we are aware that you are the possession of the Lord's, that he obtained you with his own book. And so we, we stand with a, with a great seriousness, particularly when we are preaching to you from God's word. Now, my proposition this morning a little bit long. Pastors exist to shepherd, God, God, shepherd God's flock for their well-being and spiritual growth. And God's flock is responsible to follow and obey those God has ordained to care for them. It works two ways. We exist to shepherd you as God's flock. To shepherd you for your well-being, for spiritual growth. And your responsibility is to follow and obey us. Those who have been ordained by God to shepherd you, to pastor you, to care for you. David Helm, in his commentary, said this. He said, as long as the church remains far from home, and as long as she continues to exist in the fragility of refining exile, she will need faithful shepherds. Now I want to answer the question, why elders from Acts 20, 
28 through 32. And I'm going to give you three reasons why, and then close with some specific applications. So, three main points, three reasons why. The first reason, why elders? Why, why do elders exist in the local church? And the answer is because the office of elder was created by God for God's people. In other words, the office of elder exists because God wanted it to exist. It's not a man-made institution. It's a God-ordained, God-created institution. It exists because God wanted it to exist. Men didn't wake up one day and think, let's just have elders. We're not, a, we're not just some group where you go out and decide, we need a leader, and so let's just create leaders. God created leaders. It's not an institution created by men. Thankfully, men did not come up with the idea. Elders are more than just good, mature guys in a local church. They are men, chosen, called, gifted, and set apart by God for this purpose, as inheritors of his shepherding function. In other words, I have inherited, excuse me, Devin has inherited God's shepherding function in your life. Look at verse 28 again. Paul writes, or says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, and here, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. It is God-ordained. The Holy Spirit has made us overseers. And there are, there are lots of guys who go to seminaries, lots of men who get degrees in Bible, lots of men who desire to be in pastoral ministry because it seems like a good career track. But it is not a career track. It is a calling. It is men who are particularly set apart by God. The Holy Spirit has made you overseers. It is God at work in the life of a man. So it wouldn't matter if somebody came to me and said, hey, I've been to seminary, uh, I feel called, and so um, when will you install me as an elder in this church? You actually think that doesn't happen? It's happened on more than one occasion in the years that I've been in pastoral ministry. I show up on a Sunday morning, resume in hand, literally, when would you like me to start? But it is the Holy Spirit who has called us to be overseers. Elders are not made by men. They are not made by churches. They are not even made by seminaries, but by God who created this institution out of his love for you. And 1 Peter 5, if you would turn there, a familiar passage. It is a passage that hangs over my desk so that I see it each and every morning. 1 Peter 5 defines powerfully and it defines vividly the motives and reasons for serving as a pastor. Peter writes, so I exhort 
the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, he says this. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, which we just read the Holy Spirit has made you overseer, so oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. As God would have you. He goes on, not for shameful gain, but eagerly with an eagerness to, to care for you, to love you, to serve you, to protect you, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So we are not to be domineering, but we are to lead with authority, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Jesus in John 10 makes the distinction between one who is called by God to be a shepherd and one who is simply a hireling. If you remember, he says the hireling, when, when trouble comes, when wolves and, and bears come, or when those come to steal the sheep, what does the hireling do? He runs. He leaves. He takes off. Pastors ordained by God, called by God, anointed by God, empowered by God. Pastors who are true and genuine under shepherds, shepherds who serve the chief shepherd. Those men do not leave. They hang in there. And so God loves his church to the place where he's appointed men to care for you. Now, understand, this is the wonderful storyline of Scripture. God himself has always been a shepherd to his people. He created his flock at creation. He builds his own flock, a people for his own possession. And this shepherding theme weaves its way through the Bible, a biblical theology of, of shepherds. In Genesis forty-eight fifteen, Jacob calls God his shepherd. So from Genesis we see in Psalm 23, David intimately speaks of God as his shepherd. In 2 Samuel 5, 2, God tells David, now he extends shepherding care. He says to David, shepherd my people. In Ezekiel 34, God excoriates wicked shepherds who steal from the people who care only for themselves, who do domineer, who do work for shameful gain. But then in Ezekiel 37, 24, he promises to set over his people a true shepherd. Which comes to reality in John chapter 10, where Jesus stands before his disciples and the crowds. And he says, I am the good shepherd. Oh, the theme of being a shepherd all the way to this passage in first Peter, where we learn that Jesus is the chief shepherd. And we learn from him how shepherds should act. Those who serve him as shepherds to his people. And then we get to Ephesians four eleven, where 
God gives gifts to the church. And what does he give? Apostles, evangelists, prophets, pastors. Pastors to shepherd his church. So the first reason why elders exist, why, why me, is because God has determined it. And so your confidence isn't in me and my abilities. It's, it's not in, in Devin and his, when we get to call him Dr. Devin after he gets his PhD. Your confidence is in the Holy Spirit who has made us overseers in the Lord. Now, the second reason why elders is to model Christ-like living for you, the church, to imitate. You are to imitate us. Look at 28 again. Pay careful attention to yourselves. Pay careful attention. Paul later goes on to tell Timothy exactly what this means in 1 Timothy 3, which is a familiar passage to you in Timothy 3, 1 through 7. He describes... What an elder who does pay careful attention to himself. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer. So there, you can drop it back to 1 Peter 5. There's a noble reason for being an overseer. Not for sordid gain. Not for the desire to domineer over people. Not under compulsion, but eagerly. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires. I, I love the NSAB um, if anyone has a noble desire to be the, to the office of, the, of an overseer, he desires a noble task. And then he goes on to say, therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. So that's kind of the headline, okay? Here's, here's what you pay careful attention to. Does your pastor, is your pastor, are your pastors above reproach? And here's how you know if they are. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, chocolate excluded, (laughs) respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Pay careful attention to yourselves. This is to me, Larry, Devin, pay careful attention to ourselves so that we can model for you Christ-like behavior so that you can imitate that behavior. Although the church doesn't make elders, it does identify and acknowledge men who are qualified to be elders. That's one of your responsibilities is to be aware of our, our, 
paying attention to ourselves, being aware of 1 Timothy 3, being aware of 1 Peter 5. Are we, are we working under compulsion? Are we doing it for sordid gain? Are we doing it for a love of money? These are the things that you pay attention to. These are the things that you watch in us. As elders, we must pay attention to ourselves. 1 Timothy 4.16, Paul writes, Watch your life and doctrine closely. And testify to the church that you shepherd. Testify to them the reality of the gospel by the way you live. The gospel should be alive and real because you see it lived out in your pastors. And so, why elders? That we are a model for you. We are to show you that God is powerful to save. We are to show you that God is powerful to transform because he is transforming us. We are We are here to show you that God is powerful to sanctify. Because your pastors are being sanctified day in and day out. Ask our wives. We are being sanctified. We are to model for you the powerful work of the Holy Spirit in sustaining each and every one of us. Our lives are to commend the gospel to you, just as Paul said as, as, a, as a shepherd. He said to the Corinthian church, he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And so I stand here today, be an imitator of me, be an imitator of Devon as we are of Christ. Not perfect imitators, but Lord willing, faithful imitators. Be imitators. Listen, be aware also, the character qualities in 1 Timothy 3, they're character qualities every Christian should model. They're not just reserved for pastors. You should be imitating every one of those in your own lives. You should be fulfilling every one of those in your own life. You should be above reproach. The husband of one wife or the wife of one husband. You should be sober-minded. You should be self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, not able to teach. That's the one, that's the one thing in this list that is reserved for elders. But not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Every Christian. But we are to model that for you, my friends. And that is a privilege that we have and a responsibility. So Devin and I are commanded to pay close attention to our lives, our doctrine, and our way of living so that you will pay close attention to your lives, your doctrine, and your way of living. So that's reason two. Reason one, because God has called elders to be elders. That's why elders exist. Reason two, so that we can be a model of Christ-like living for you. And reason three, why elders to extend God's shepherding care to you, the flock.
to extend God's shepherding care to you. Remember what Peter writes. He says, shepherd the flock of God. In a number of ways we do that. Look at verse 28 again. Pay careful attention to yourselves. Yes. Then he goes on to say, pay careful attention to all the flock. Okay? In, in, in many respects, that's kind of this, this open door for me as your pastor to appropriately, in the appropriate way, at the appropriate time, be in your business. <laughs> Pay careful attention to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Shepherding means we watch over your souls. How are you doing spiritually? We are faithfully to encourage you and to admonish you and to correct you or to rebuke you when appropriate. We are to watch over your souls. I'm to pay careful attention. One of the reasons I pay careful attention, numbers of reasons, but one reason is I'll give an account for you. I will answer to God for your life. And though I am not terrified of that day, there are moments that that day, when it draws near, and since I'm on the backside of nine, I'm playing nine, it's going to draw near sooner, I'm realizing I'll stand before the Lord and I will answer for each and every one of you. And that's okay. Because it's the call that I accepted by God. Willingly, not under compulsion. Eagerly willing to do that. And so, why do elders exist? We exist to shepherd you. Second, we also exist to oversee, oversee care for the flock. Look at verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, those who lead and oversee the affairs of the church and your lives, overseers who have an authority to lead spiritually. Not an authority, not a, not a worldly authority that makes demands of you and asks you or demands of you to do things you shouldn't be doing. Or it, No, 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 not, not a domineering authority as, as Peter writes, but an authority to lead spiritually. Authority to exercise leadership in your life and to be willing to exercise that authority if you are not following after the Lord, where church discipline makes its way into the scene. Being courageous and not fearful, not worrying more about your response, but worrying more, worrying more about the Lord's response. If I don't faithfully oversee, if Devin does not faithfully oversee. First Timothy 5.17 says, let the elders who rule well. That is what our, our goal is, to rule well. The church is, is not a preaching center, but a community. It's a place where we live and, and work together and we apply God's word together. And our leadership is to help you to be shaped by God's word through our example, through teaching. And our authority to lead is not self-generated. It's given to us by God, the Holy Spirit, who has made us overseers. Another way we extend shepherding care is by protecting you. 
protect the flock. Look at verse 29. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. That's what he's saying to elders. He's saying to me, saying, David, be alert. Our responsibility is to be alert. Remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. That is, that is the responsibility of pastoral ministry. Night and day. Admonishing, encouraging, correcting, teaching. And if it's with tears, it's with tears. We protect the flock. There are... There's an adjective here. He says that fierce wolves will come in. You see wolves on television. I watched the commercial last night for this dog food, and the wolves look so nice. (laughs) They're fluffy. You know, they've got these beautiful eyes and, and big bushy tails, and they just like... Wow, wouldn't it be cool to have a pet wolf? Except that they're fierce. And I would be pet food. (laughs) There are those from without that want to lead you astray. You face that in the culture every day. But what's more dangerous, Paul writes here, or says here, is that there are those from within There are those from within, from among your own selves, will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. These these men are committed to your destruction because of their own selfish desires. False teachers, false ideas, books that twist the truth, and even, honestly, even music that is not, that is theologically unsound, they all conspire against you. Thank God for Devin who, who looks at our, the songs that we sing theologically, not just because they have an emotional appeal and they feel good to sing, but they have a theological depth rooted in the truth of Scripture. That's pastoral care. That's just not leading worship. That's pastoral ministry. That's protecting the flock from false teaching. And sometimes, my friends, sometimes that protection might even involve protecting you from your own thinking. And having to say the hard things to you. Whether you agree or not. And whether it causes you to stay or leave. We're going to tell you the truth as we understand it in God's word. Why? Because we're shepherds. And because we love you. And because we don't want to see you drawn away. And listen, our own thinking can get us in trouble. Do you remember Judges 21, 25? That was a time when people were were doing things that were right in their own eyes. 
We are called to be watchmen over your souls, that the Holy Spirit has appointed us to do that, to be shepherds to you, because you are the people that Jesus obtained with his own blood. It wasn't my blood or Devin's blood that obtained your salvation. It was Jesus. And because you are the people that Jesus obtained with his own blood, because you are his sheep, we must protect you and protect the purity of the gospel in your lives so that you prosper. The reality of church life is this. Not everyone in this church is strong. And I'm not meaning just physically. I mean spiritually. That's okay. We all are at different places in our walk with Christ. And we're all pressing on to move forward in knowing and growing in him. Sometimes the weak have a harder time. And there are weak among us. And that's why we're here. There are times all of us are weak. And we need protection. We need someone to care for us. And that's why we represent the chief shepherd. So that we can shepherd you. And we can stand as a shield in front of you to keep you safe. Another reason, another reason why we're called to be elders in extending our shepherding care is to equip you for ministry. And you can just go to Ephesians 4.12. But then the last thing is we shepherd you and most importantly by feeding you. We are called to feed the flock by teaching you from God's word so that the gospel will always be close to you. So that the gospel will be resident within you. Look at verse 31 and 32. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Now that admonishing wasn't just, hey, stop doing what you're doing. That admonishing was through Scripture. It was by the Word of God. That admonishing was with truth. And Paul goes on to speak and he says, And now I commend you to God and to the Word of His grace. Paul did not cease from teaching the Ephesians for three years. In Acts, just earlier in the chapter, Acts 20, uh, 21, he says, How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, house to house, in public, for three years, not ceasing, with tears, teaching. Teaching. So that they would know, they would know repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That they would believe and look at this, not as just the Bible, but the word of grace. That when we teach and when you read and study this this is a word of grace to you. That it might abound in you. 
Now, the one quality in 1 Timothy that is not related to character is skillful teaching. This is what is to set elders apart. This is a shepherd's primary responsibility. It is the most important thing we do as elders. Managing, administrating, overseeing um, important tasks. They can be delegated to deacons in the church, and rightly so, as we read in Acts 6, and Devin will speak about next week. The greatest responsibility I have, the thing that I am to be devoted to, is this, is teaching. Remember Acts 6, the the elders were set apart, deacons were installed so that they can be devoted to what? Prayer and the study of God's word so it might be preached. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, He commands Timothy, devote yourself, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Our own Jeff Perswell said this, biblically speaking, there is no pastoral ministry without teaching. Scripture is the instrument of his rule in our lives, and it is where God acts by his word, saves by his word, and sanctifies by his word. His word is the one thing we need. As your pastors, our responsibility, look at verse 32. Here's here's what we want to, to accomplish in our teaching. We want to build you up. We want you to be aware and be strong in your in your inheritance, in in the perseverance of your inheritance. And we want you to grow in your sanctification. That is what teaching the word of grace is to do. As your pastors, our responsibility is to build you up. A healthy church is one that understands and pursues and seeks to apply God's word to their lives. Listen, Brothers and sisters, care groups and outreach and fellowship are all good, but a love for God's word is preeminent. A cherishing of God's word, a confidence in God's word will protect you from living by your feelings. It will protect you from becoming disillusioned with life when things go wrong. It will protect you from despairing when you fail. It will protect you from being overwhelmed when you experience, and you will experience tragedy, and you will experience suffering. And some of you are in that right now. God's Word is the Word of grace. And it is what we are to teach. It is how we are to most effectively shepherd you. This is why we teach. And this is why it's so important for you to be here every Sunday. Because if you're not being taught, you're not being built up. Your inheritance isn't being secured. Your sanctification isn't growing. Our preaching of God's word is centered right here. Because we love you and we want to shepherd you and we want to see. Look, Paul writes here, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. That is what we want to be able to do for you. To commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Our ultimate goal is not to point you to us as your shepherds, but to point you to the great shepherd, Jesus Christ. John 10, as As our shepherd, Jesus didn't come to protect us from wolves and bears, but he came to save us from 
judgment by the holy, righteous God. And he, his weapon to protect us wasn't a rod or a staff. It was a cross. It was a cross. He's rescued us from our sin. And if you belong to Jesus, he is your shepherd. Are you his? Are you his this morning? If you are, he promises as your good shepherd in John 10 that you will always be his, that no one will ever snatch you out of his hand. So, three reasons. God. Why we're elders? God has made us elders. It's God's institution. So that, two, we can model for you Christ-like living. And three, we can shepherd you to care for you. So how do we apply this? Elders are gifts from God to you. I am a gift to you. You shouldn't, you shouldn't laugh. Just because I didn't come gift wrapped. <laughs> yes, we are a gift to you. Because God is the one working through us. It's not us. But you have a responsibility as well. We are called to teach, and you are called to learn. That's number one. We are called to teach, you are called to learn. Secondly, we are called to lead you, and you are called to follow. Third, we are called to care for you, and you are called to receive care from us. So if Devin calls you, or I call you, or I come up to you on Sunday and say, How are you doing? How are you doing? The response is, doing great, when I know in the background, you are not doing great. I don't care if it's Sunday morning. Tell me, I'm doing miserably. Good, let me pray for you. Let us care for you. And thirdly, fourthly, we are called to protect you, and you are called to listen and obey our warnings. That's your responsibility. Now, let me remind you again that your pastors are sheep. We are as in much need of shepherding care as you are. A.W. Tozer said this, do you know who gives me the most trouble? Do you know who I pray for most in my pastoral work? Just myself. (laughs) And it's true. So your final point of application is this. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your pastors. Thank you for being such a delightful church to pastor. Your service, your sacrifice, your generosity, your joy, your encouragement, your faithfulness, your pursuit of God, your godliness... You make pastoring in this church a complete joy. And I can't thank you enough. And I know Devin thanks you as well. Thank you for that.